Why do you love it so much? I think if you own your own business, you have to be prepared to take risks. Being a woman doesn't hold you back from achieving success. Yep, so if you're struggling, just stop and pause and, and really reflect on why am I struggling here. But I've also worked really hard and telling me it's luck, I think, just takes away some of that recognition of the hard work. One last question. Welcome to Tea with the Queen, a show where I talk with some of my favourite go-getters, inspiring and courageous women in leadership and business. I'm your host, Emma McQueen. I'm a business coach, executive coach, author and speaker. And for 20 years, I've been working with women to unlock their potential and get paid their worth while doing work they love. The late president of the United States, John F. Kennedy, said leadership and learning are indispensable to each other. In other words, a great leader is a great learner. And those are the very qualities to best describe my guest today. Until recently, Melissa Budgie was Strategy Enablement and Performance Lead at World Vision Australia. When we recorded this episode at the end of 2020, Melissa was still at World Vision Australia. She's completed her Bachelor's and Postgrad Diploma in Psychology and an MBA at Melbourne Business School. We discuss what makes a good leader and who she looks up to for inspiration. I hope you enjoy this chat. Hi, Mel Budgie. Thank you so much for coming on Tea with the Queen. Hi, Em. Thanks for having me. I love having my favourite people to chat to on my podcast. I'm going to jump straight in. You're a leader in an organisational change and strategic planning role at World Vision, the world's biggest not-for-profit. Is it even possible to influence change in such a large organisation? I love that you've come right out the gate with a very tough question. (laughs) I don't muck around, mate. (laughs) You don't. You don't. I know that about you. I love that about you. The short answer is yes. That's the short answer. Uh, The longer answer is you've got to be very patient. You have to be very resilient. You have to be willing to eat that elephant one bite at a time. Because it takes a really long time to turn a very big ship, there's going to be many setbacks along the way. Uh, Sometimes you'll feel like your perspective is the right one and you'll feel like you're headed in the right direction and other people aren't necessarily following in the way that you would hope that they would. One of the biggest things I've learnt in a trying to influence that change in a large organisation is that timing is everything. So there's times when you do feel like you're headed in the right direction, but people aren't following. And then for whatever reason, two years later, you're driving in that same direction and others start to follow around you. There's lots of things that happen in an organization, such as leadership context, the market context, things that are happening around that influence how effective you are in affecting that change in the organization. So Short answer, yes, but you have to be patient, resilient, respond to those setbacks, respond to the timing and the context that you find yourself in. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that. I I think it's probably more complicated than that, but that is probably a whole other podcast. (laughs) (laughs) What about for our audience, uh, for those that who don't know, what does World Vision do? Well, um, well, hopefully many people have heard of World Vision before. I'd done 40-hour famine or something like that growing up. But 
Wheel Vision is an international humanitarian organisation. We operate in a hundred around 100 countries worldwide. Uh, And essentially our mission is to alleviate poverty and its underlying causes. And we're a a child-focused Christian organisation. So everything that we do is done through the lens of benefiting children globally. World Vision Australia is a fundraising office within that um, partnership, that global uh, partnership. And so our role within uh, the global organisation is to raise much needed funding for the work that we do. So at the moment, we're really focused on the COVID crisis, which, as people know, is an unprecedented economic and health crisis globally. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Emma, but some studies are estimating that up to 580 million additional people will be pushed into poverty as a result of uh, the COVID crisis, and so wow. our main is that worldwide. Worldwide, wow. Yep. yep. So our main focus at this point is really on raising much needed funds for that crisis. We've launched our largest ever uh, emergency response effort globally, and so we're really super focused at the moment on raising funds and and raising awareness in Australia and other markets about what's happening in countries like Bangladesh and and Lebanon. And so, yeah, it's quite a a big organisation to work in, but it's a very important mission and one that's that's super important to me personally. Yeah, I love that. Uh, And what I know about you is you're very passionate about it and obviously very patient. Throughout it, you've been in positions of large responsibility. You know, at various times, you've been director of portfolio planning and performance and planning, and now strategy enablement and performance lead. How do you handle this responsibility? The the very honest answer is some days better than others. <laughs> I love that. Yep. Uh, I think some of the things. I mean, I'm a self-confessed perfectionist, and I'm in recovery. <laughs> for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's probably something you know about me having worked with me before. You know, having responsibility for a large portfolio has been challenging at times. And there's a very fine line, I think, between reflecting on how you can improve in your leadership role um, or as a person and unhelpful self-criticism and, you know, being overly self-critical. You know, for anyone that's listening that is moving into or thinking about moving into a leadership role, I would I would really recommend, you know, a couple of things. Uh, the first thing would be be self-compassionate, you know. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to learn along the way. Particularly if your role holds a level of leadership responsibility, there's going to be times when you don't quite hit the mark or you get it wrong and, you know, you've got to be compassionate towards yourself and be kind in those mistakes that you make and and learn from them. Probably the other thing I would say is be really clear in setting some non-negotiable boundaries for yourself. So there has to be lines that you draw in the sand about what you're willing to take home with you. And I know that we're in an environment where home and work is is really the same physical environment. Mm. So that can be even harder, but you've got to really be quite disciplined about drawing those boundaries around what you take home with you mentally, emotionally, and what you leave in the office. Yeah, I like that. I think, um, well, given that we're in a COVID crisis, what I'm seeing is that our work and life have just 
enmeshed so fully, you know, work-life balance, there isn't any. And those boundary settings are so important. And for those people that are listening who aren't from Melbourne, we're in a stage four at the minute, which means we can only go out for an hour of exercise a day. So do you have any tips for our listeners around what you might do to separate or to bookend your day? Oh, good question. Uh, Well, I would say everyone's going to be different, so different things will work for different people. But some of the things that I've found quite effective are I always, I start my day in quite a regimented habitual way. So before I sit down, I have to do at least 2,000 steps. And I find that that just gets me in the right headspace. It sets my day off in the right way. I, For me personally, if I wake up and move to the computer straight away, uh, I'm not in the right headspace and my, my reserves are low um, on those particular days that I've felt the need to do that. In terms of then in the evenings how I switch off, for me, it is about, you know, it's really simple things like closing the laptop, closing the doors to the study and, you know, really leaving that day behind me by moving into a separate part of the house. But for some people, that's, you know, that's not something that they can do. So some of my colleagues at World Vision that I've been having these conversations with uh, have been talking about various things that they've been doing to help bookend their days. You know, for some people, it's going for a run. For others, it's cooking dinner and, you know, putting more time and care into the meals that they're cooking and taking more space to do that and try new recipes and and things like that. And for others, it's even putting in a a phone call to the family or or to a friend um, just to actually signal, you know, to their brain that it's time to kind of move into personal time and and to move away from the pressures or the responsibilities of, of work. I think everyone's different. Mm, they are. I mean, I've taken to um, having a shower, you know, washing the day away. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah that's a good quite, one. Yeah, it's a good one. I have also, um, at the very end of the day, just have a cup of tea, like a mindful cup of tea where I've got a beautiful teacup and I just stare at my teacup and just stare for 20 minutes, which is really actually quite nice. But I uh, have also introduced, you know, what am I grateful for? So we do best parts, grateful parts and best parts over dinner. But before I go to bed at night or before I go to sleep, I'm like, okay, what are three things I'm grateful for today? And then when I wake up in the morning, what are three things that I'm grateful for? Just find that attitude of gratitude is kind of helpful, especially with all the news, which I've now stopped watching as well. Yeah, I've had to uh, cut back on the news consumption. It um, it can really kind of get into your head. I love the affirmations, M. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. So cool. So you did an MBA at the University of Melbourne not that long ago. How has that helped you in the organisation with your own career? Yeah, I did. I um, I did an executive MBA with uh, Melbourne Business School. And one of the reasons why I undertook that was my tertiary background was quite different to the direction that my career was headed in. So uh, I've got a, an undergrad and a postgrad in psychology. Uh, which I studied many moons ago, and I found that my career was headed in, you know, more down a general management path, really. So very different to what I had studied. And so one of the reasons why I undertook the MBA was I really wanted to do a couple of things. 
I wanted to provide myself with some kind of formal tools and frameworks, you know, some things that I had probably picked up intuitively throughout my my career, but I wanted to formalize them, you know, through an MBA uh, learning environment. And I wanted to, you know, to be honest, to really have that piece of paper that I knew would give me a little bit more credibility in the general management space um, than my perhaps my psychology uh, education had provided me with. And the other thing that I really wanted to get out of it, which has proven probably more valuable than I even uh, anticipated it would be, would was the cohort and the network. And so the way that that program worked was it was a residential program where once a month we uh, essentially lived on campus for four days and we ate and, and studied together. We spent a lot of time together. And so the relationships that I built through that program have really set me up well um, from a career perspective. It's not uncommon for me to be faced with a problem at work that I'm not quite sure, you know, what the right direction is and how to move forward. And I, you know, I've got at my fingertips 64 highly qualified, successful individuals who I know I can reach out to at any point with a question or a, a request for support. And, and it's always forthcoming. So it's it's been incredibly valuable from that perspective. Yeah, I love that because I think, uh, you know, you hear people going and do MBAs because that's the next bit. They want that piece of paper. But it's really around who's in your circle and who you can turn to and ask for advice. And um, finding a group of 64 people is pretty damn special, I reckon. I think so too, yeah. <laughs> well, in 2016, you won the Bernard Barron Award for Leadership. What are your thoughts on leadership, Mel, and what makes a good leader? Very difficult question. Uh, I think I often like to think about things in terms of what's and how's. And and you know this about me, Em. We, um, you and I spent a lot of time talking about what's and how's uh, <laughs> when we work together. When I think about a good leader and when I think about the type of leader that I'm really trying to, to become and aspiring to become, and I think about what that looks like. I think about a leader who creates a safe and inclusive environment for their team and for the organization more broadly. I think about a leader who fosters connection um, with those that they work with, um, that's you know empathic and, and caring, that manages a whole person and, and not just the task that's before them. And I think about leaders who have an ability to inspire those around them. I think, you know, we do live and work in, in really challenging times. Expectations are high, pressures are high. And so it's important that leaders are able to inspire those around them and, and build hope and momentum. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's um, long gone are the days where you leave your personal life at the door. Yep, yep. And now is a time where potentially some oversharing happens. But, um, <laughs> but you know, people bring their whole self. So if you're not prepared to manage whole selves, then you kind of need to get out of the way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Do you have an example of a leader you look up to? Oh, um. Good question. I have thought a lot about this over the years and I've encountered leadership styles of all different kinds in my career so far. There's a couple of things I think 
There's two leaders I do follow quite closely from a kind of an external media and the like perspective. Uh, The first would be uh, Satya Nadella, so the CEO of Microsoft, who when I talk about, you know, an inclusive leader, um, someone who's really casting a vision and driving an organisation, really a global large organisation in that direction, he's someone that I follow quite closely and do a lot of uh, uh, watching of his uh, videos and and talks and reading of, of various correspondence that he writes because I find him quite an engaging and inspiring leader. And the second one, which I know is is a bit of an overused example at the moment, uh, it would be Brene Brown. She, for those of you who don't know her, she's an author and she uh, recently authored the book Dare to Lead. I don't think you can go past her ability to manage a whole self and the guidance that she's giving people on what vulnerability and empathy in the workplace and for yourself at home looks like. I've just finished Dare to Lead um, for the second time, actually. Oh, how good is it? How good is it? <laughs> so good. It's there's yeah. so many valuable lessons in there for for people who are you know on a leadership journey or even just on a personal journey of of growth. I just find her really inspiring. Yeah, I love that. And for our audience, if you had some practical tips for them on their leadership journey, what would you say? Two or three things that have helped you. So two or three things that have helped me, the first would be, and really the lessons that I'm learning and and are being reinforced by what I'm reading in Brene Brown's work really cement this for me. The first thing that I've always tried to have front and center is is a discipline around self-awareness and self-reflection. I'm a big leader in knowing who you are because I believe that who we are is how we lead. And so if you're not spending the time to, and you're not being disciplined about carving out the time in your day or in your week to reflect on on who you are and how you're showing up and how that's impacting yourself and others around you, then you're not providing yourself with the time and space necessary to think about how you grow and how you evolve. Mm. And the second practical tip I would provide people with would be making sure that you're, and it's probably connected to that first one actually, but for myself as someone who is, my default style is is task focus. Mm. So, you know, and this also connects to what I was saying earlier about, you know, that real drive for perfectionism or or for results. That is my default style. I know that if I'm stressed or pressured, I'm going to show up in a way that is very task focused. And so I've had to, for myself personally, be quite disciplined about having intentional time carved out for the people element of my role, which is the most important element of my role as a leader. And so I would say to people, you know, know your style, know how you show up when you're feeling stressed out or overwhelmed and put some some practical uh, boundaries or um, things in place that are going to help you correct that, those behaviours that are potentially presenting in, in unhelpful ways. Yeah, I love that. So it's all almost look at yourself first, self-leadership, before you can really lead anyone else. Absolutely, yep. 
Yeah, I love that. Mel, thank you so much for joining us on Tea with the Queen. It was awesome to have you on here and I look forward to watching you in your onward journey. It's just an amazing career you've had to date. Thanks, Em. No, it was a pleasure being here and I look forward to maybe joining you again one day. That's Melissa Budgie. That's it for this episode of Tea with the Queen. If you love this episode, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. And you're very welcome to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps spread the word. You can contact me directly at my website at mmcqueen.com.au. It's also where you'll find my book, Go Getter. Speak to you soon. Mm-hmm.